episode 26 with special guest David Bain. You have to have a plan. You have to have a reason why you're doing it. There's no point in doing that and attracting thousands of people to watch and not to have any kind of call to action or additional offering. Looks like it's time for something completely nutty. Timothy, do you know what today's podcast is all about? Marathon Livestream. Marathon Livestream. Timothy, why are you singing? Well, I've got this really great idea for a song for the podcast. Oh, do you know what? That's a great idea. And we've got David Bain on the show. So maybe we could get the name David Bain into the show. What do you think? Yeah. Let's do it. Get in the right lane with David Bain. Marathon live stream is our greatest dream. David Bain. Well, it's time to get David Bain on the show, and we're going to be talking about how to create marathon live video shows. Just to say, my audio isn't quite as good as it should be at the beginning because I forgot to press the record button. But thankfully, David had a copy that he recorded his end. It's also a little bit techy in places, but it's going to be such a cool episode because we talk about all the things that you need to take things to the next level with a marathon live video show. Looking forward to it. See you in a bit. This is the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray, helping entrepreneurs level up their impact, authority, and profits through the power of live video. Gain confidence in front of the camera, confidence with technology, and confidence with the content and marketing. Together, we can go live. Hello, it's Ian Anderson Gray on the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. This is episode 26, which is just rather wonderful. We're getting into the, the, the 20s and nearly into the 30s. And today I've got David Bain on to talk about how to produce a marathon live show. So I'm really excited about that. But before that, I want to let you know that when this podcast is out, all you need to do is go to iag.me forward slash 26 for the show notes. That's iag.me forward slash 26. Some other really exciting news. We've got a new sponsor. Now, I've been uh, talking about lots of live video streaming tools over the last 26 episodes, and there are loads of different ones out there. All of them have their pros and cons. Some of them are available on one platform, say like on a Mac, or some of them are PC only. I thought it was time to go for it, to look at a tool or recommend a tool really that works on both Mac and PC. So I'm really excited to say that 
StreamYard is now a proud sponsor of the Confident Live Marketing Show. So I'm really excited about this because it's always been really, since I started the show, my top recommended live video streaming tool as a web app. So the great thing about StreamYard is that it works through your browser. Now, there are other tools out there that are fabulous, but they work as a downloadable tool. So they, they will either be for Mac or PC or some of them offer both. But the great thing about StreamYard is it works through the browser. It's for Mac and PC users, and it's incredibly simple to use. It has so many amazing features, yet it's simple to use. So, for example, you've got the ability to highlight comments on the screen. You can add your own titles. You can bring in up to five guests really easily. All you need to do is just send them a link. They don't need any special software. It just works through the browser. Uh, you're able to share your screen. You can add your own brand colors, and you can stream to Facebook, Paris, scope LinkedIn Live, if you've got it, or YouTube. And all of that is in the free version of StreamYard. So there is actually a free version. You get all of those things in that. Now, with the paid version, they've got some extra magical things, such as the ability to add your own logo, overlays, backgrounds, and videos. And one of the really cool things now is that you can multicast, you can broadcast to more than one platform at the same time, up to five. So if you wanted, you could broadcast to Facebook, your Facebook page, Facebook group, YouTube, LinkedIn Live, Periscope, you name it, you could do that. So I'm really excited about StreamYard and uh, really thank the guys at StreamYard for sponsoring this show. So it's now time to bring in my special guest today, who is none other than David Bain. We've been hanging out this weekend at Upinus Summit, and I'm really excited to have him on the show. So David helps marketers stay up to date with the latest tools, tactics, and technologies through his books, podcasts, and digital services, helping them to cut through the noise and focus on what shifts the needle. Find out more about David's books, podcasts, and digital services over at marketingnowbook.com. Dot com. David, it's great to have you on the show. Mr. IAG. Fantabulous to be on with you. Thanks for inviting me. That's a great word, fantabulous. I don't think I've had any guests say that word, and I think I think it needs to be part of the show. So. I, I think it's a bit of an Elvisly word. I like Elvisly words. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to have you on. We're, we're going to be talking about how to produce a marathon show. And we, just before we started, we were talking, well, how do we define what that is? And, and you were saying, really over two hours is probably around the, the right figure. But also you were saying it's not just about, we're not just going to be talking about the length of the show, although that's important. We're going to be talking about bringing in multiple guests, different guests throughout the show, which is something that I think you've you've done an amazing job over the years at. Uh, and as I said before, I think I've, I've been in awe of, of what you've been doing because it just seems such an undertaking to do this. So, but before we get onto that, I just wanted to ask, because I always like to ask this for people that I know, where did we first meet? Can you remember? Because I've, I've got a dreadful memory. <laughs> well, there's a difference between digitally mm. meeting and meeting face-to-face, -face, yeah. of course. And uh, I interviewed you in 2015 for Digital Marketing Radio, the podcast I was doing at the time. So, you know, we, we've been in conversation since then. I'm trying to remember if we had a face-to-face -face conversation at New Media Europe in 2016, 
we possibly did? And if so, that's where we went face to face. Yeah, I'm just I I can't remember it, it's because there's all these all these different conferences around. There's there's been New Media Europe. There's Upreneur. There's Social Media Marketing World. There's all these different ones, and sometimes difficult to know whether you've met in in person at a certain point or whether it was virtually. But anyway, we've we've definitely it was Upreneur. We've we've met a couple of times, which is great. So why live video? Why live video? Uh, why not live video? When I was starting out getting serious about podcasting in 2014, I think about six months or so after that, Periscope came along and that was a completely different channel. At the time, it was a lot more difficult to do live video and not many people had done it at all. And I was getting comfortable with producing audio. And I was thinking this is a medium that is going to take off. There had been predictions about the the quantity of video content and how that was going to change the internet. But live video, I thought that was going to make, make a massive difference. And it was scary. It was really scary actually going on live for the first time because no one that I knew was doing it at the time. But it was, you know, first of all, to maybe overcome a fear a little bit. And, and secondly, to do something that not so many other content marketers were doing and hopefully take a bit of a, a jump on the, the competition in terms of producing different types of content online. That's a really good thing. Yeah. So so actually focusing on what other people weren't really doing at the time. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I'll, I'll, I'd like to ask you about this. Obviously, more and more people are doing live video now. Mm. So would you say it's still worth doing? And do you think there are still businesses now should still look at live video? It's definitely still worthwhile doing, but it depends where you're doing it. I think the opportunities aren't the same. It's more challenging to actually build up an audience and get a decent level of interaction. I'm finding Facebook a little bit of a struggle at the moment to get too many people to watch me live there. But when I'm doing it on LinkedIn, I can get, you know, 50, 60 people watching live within 24 hours, I get roughly 2000 views of that video. And that's so much more than I can get on Facebook. So it depends on the platform. But I guess it depends on the style of video, what you're producing. Uh, you've got to think a lot more about how you're actually starting a video, how you can entice people to stay on that video as well. So there's a lot more kind of forethought that needs to go into it to retain the number of uh, people watching live. I agree with you. Yeah, I think I've had some of those issues with Facebook recently that the reach seems to have gone down a little bit. I still think it's worth doing on Facebook because I get a lot more watching the replay, which is really cool. But yes, I think we should always be looking at uh, checking things out, testing, looking at the metrics. And yeah, LinkedIn Live is something that I'm really excited about. Yeah, let's compare notes when we when we do that. We've got some people watching live. We've got Eric watching. So he says, hello, you two. I'm from Switzerland. So it's great to have you here. And also Stephen Gray is here. So great surname, obviously, who's watching from Jacksonville, North Carolina in the States. So thank you guys for, for joining. If you've got any questions for David, about the whole idea of live streaming in a marathon state, so over two hours, that would be great. So I'm glad you mentioned the whole thing about feeling feeling a little bit nervous. Yeah, to overcome fear. I think it's important to produce content that makes you a little bit scared because then you're you're breaking through the barriers. You're maybe doing something that you haven't done before. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But for some people, for you, it seemed like you were able to, maybe not conquer the fear is, is, is the right word, but you were able to to just to do it, you know, and whereas it actually stops a lot of people, would you say? Well, I mean, I, I, I feel that I've come through a sequence in order to be able to do it. I think that it can be an incredible challenge to do that first without having produced an audio podcast and perhaps done pre-recorded video as well. I, I think there's a certain sequence, you know, 
audio podcast pre-recorded video then you can perhaps record video and incorporate elements into your video move on to live streaming and incorporate the chat then move on to summits after that so it's not a case of producing a crazy lengthy marathon summit is the first no. thing you do you need to do it instead absolutely and, and i think that's really important i mean what we're talking about here is we're, we're certainly not recommending that you look at doing a big marathon live stream as your first video absolutely not if you if you want to if you want to be put off live video for life then by all means do that <laughs> so do you have any tips on people who are just starting out or, or maybe have done live streaming a little bit but they're still feeling a bit scared how did you get through that? How did you keep going? I, I kept going, you know, by doing things incrementally to begin with. But I guess also the way that I perceived things was as a learning experience instead of actually pretending that um, it really, really mattered. Because at the end of the day, if you muck up when you're live, does it really make a massive difference? Yeah. In the grand scheme of things compared with the real most important things in this world, it's not important at all. So it's, it's, it's about putting things into perspective to begin with. And if you can do that, and you can encourage yourself to do new things every day, every week, but just do one thing at a time. Don't attempt to do five new things at a time because then you'll probably find it overwhelming and you'll never ne never want to come back to it after that. I totally agree with you there. And I think it doesn't really matter how long you've been doing it because mistakes will still happen. You know, tech, the, the oh, tech yeah. gremlins will happen, which happened just before this. And unfortunately, and you don't know this, but I, I did think I'd pressed the record button on Adobe Audition <laughs> and I didn't. So we, uh, the first three minutes of this, I'm going to have to take from the actual video. So it won't be quite as good. But these things happen. Well, I've actually got the recording as well. So you there know, we the, go. There's another backup so we've got another backup. Also. And this is why having David on the show is just so awesome because uh, <laughs> we have backups and back and lots of backups, which is great. And, and I'm sure that you have done uh, at least once in the past, if not, you're probably going to do it, is not press record at all <laughs> and then have to say to the guest, I'm sorry, I didn't record it. Yes. I haven't got a backup. Um, can we redo it, please? Yes. That's one of the things that will happen if you do enough of these things. I know, it's not good. Well, at least with live video, you can get the video later. Although, hmm. actually, sometimes there was actually a bug with Facebook about a month ago where you went live, but nobody could see it. I don't know if you experienced that. I had zero people watching, they were, uh, and that was because people were clicking on the live video and then it, Facebook gave a very, rather helpful, this content is unavailable. So uh, there we go. It's the, the way of things. <laughs> so what's the most <laughs> embarrassing or disastrous live stream that you've done? Well, I've done many um, <laughs> things that could be classified as embarrassing, but again, I don't really perceive them to be that nowadays. Uh, I've done things such as hosted webinars where I... I was allegedly going to have about four guests. A couple of them cancelled beforehand, had one guest, and then they had uh, technical challenges about five minutes into the show. So I ended up ad-libbing for about 20 minutes before the guest just about managed to come back on. So that was a bit of a challenge. <laughs> I remember one massive live stream that I hosted back in December 2016. For the first hour or so, I just could not get my video working. I couldn't see the video of the guests. I was having a real technical challenge. One of the guests I managed to actually persuade to be the uh, stand-in host uh, for the first hour of, of the live stream. That, that was absolutely incredible. But, you know, if you get people who are, are friendly, then you can do that, certainly. What I had at the time was probably a computer that wasn't quite powerful enough. So one one tip is make sure that you're not using too much of your CPU. Otherwise, uh, you're going to have technical challenges. Your computer is going to be trying to do too many different things and something's going to shut down eventually. 
Absolutely. And I think that's been a big problem for a lot of people that I see that if they're going live on the, on the computer, and, and of course, you can go live from your phone, that's a lot easier in many ways. But uh, obviously, it's restrictive. If you're wanting to bring in lots of guests, like what we're going to be talking about today, you really need to be going live from the computer. But you need a a relatively powerful computer, depending on the kind of thing that you're going to be doing. And I, I remember that live stream very well. And what I was, what I was so impressed, you know, so, so the thing is, I think a lot of people, when things like that would happen to them, would like, they would crumple up inside and they'd want to give up. But it's almost as if they think that everyone else out there is judging them and thinking, what an idiot. But everyone was absolutely not thinking that about you at all. I was just so impressed that you kept going and the live stream just somehow managed to keep going. And it was a really, really valuable show. So I think you just got to keep going and mistakes will happen. You have to breathe. And if necessary, you have to just take two minutes and walk out of the room and take a little bit of time to yourself and go back to it. Because if you get all flustered, you're not going to be able to solve whatever issues you might be having. So take time, breathe, and then logically go through what the issues could be. You know, what's happening with your camera? Is it plugged in? Can you change the, you know, USB sockets in any way at all? How, how is the, the, the video actually reaching the live stream? And where's the audio coming from? Just, just think through things logically and you will sort it in the end. I love that. It's so simple, but... That's what we need to do. We just need to breathe and not worry. You know, we all make mistakes. And, and sometimes, actually, a lot of these things are not our fault. It's just the tech is just not working that day. So, and it's yeah. just the way it is. So, thank you for sharing that with us. I think that's really helpful because we, it happens to us all. I think we're all going to encounter, if you're going to go and do any kind of live streaming, you do need to be prepared for things to go wrong from time to time, which is um, yes. important. So, Let's go talk about a bit more of the marathon stuff. What's the longest live stream that you've ever done? That would be about nine hours. And <laughs> I've done, you know, different types of live streams. So I've, I've produced live streams for events as well. So there's an event called Brighton SEO. So I started the online live stream for that event. So you could say that's cheating a bit because you're live streaming a whole event with other, uh, other speakers. But then I've also hosted online summits for Mobile Monkey. And um, th they're about nine hours long. And for them, I have to be online all the time. So I'm the host. I do have people coming in giving presentations, but the challenge with that is if your guest has any technical problems, then you kind of need to be there all the time. So if you want to run downstairs, you know, <laughs> to the loo, if you want to go and grab something to eat, you kind of need to do it um, during a presentation from a guest that you know is highly likely to be quite reliable, but you also need to be there just in case um, anything else happens and be prepared to jump yeah, in. Yeah, that's a really good tip. And I suppose maybe you need some special helpers in the background who are feeding you, you know, on the, from the side. <laughs> that, that would be the sensible thing to do, yes. <laughs> and yeah, of course, the other thing is that when your guest is talking, I mean, I think, you know, for, for example, with these live shows, they're, they're half an hour to 45 minutes, you know, and my concentration is always pretty good. And, and obviously, I have amazing guests like you on the show. But I can imagine when I get to hour three or hour four, no matter how exciting the guest is, I, I can just imagine that my concentration goes and I, and I, and I, oh, and yeah. I start to forget what they're saying. And then they, they end what they're saying. And then I have to somehow... <laughs> Like, oh, what did you just say? Do you, do you have any moments yeah. like that? I mean, how do you keep that concentration going all the way through? 
you, you do have to really focus. I think you have to at least know the subject matter that the guest is talking about. So then you can you know, perhaps bring in a, a, a related note at the end, even if you if you don't capture every minute of it. I remember um, Stuart Rogers from Venture Beat. Um, he was one of the chaps that uh, came on one of my live streams. And uh, I introduced him as Stephen Rogers. And uh, he said, who? I said, Stephen Rogers. And I just, <laughs> I couldn't get it in my head that I actually used the completely wrong name. But uh, you take it in good light. Yeah, that that would definitely be me. <laughs> I would be getting it all wrong all the way through. But but that's the fun. That's the fun of it, really, isn't it? So yeah, if you're watching us live or watching the replay, let us know what you think about this. Would you think about doing a four, five, six, nine hour live? Would that be something that you would do? Yeah, let us know. Just a quick question, because I think this is important, depending on the, the destination that you're going live to, can you go live for however long you like? I mean, because I, I, I know with Facebook, I think the, the upper limit's four hours. Uh, have you encountered, what do you do with, with the, the limits? There can be challenges there. I, for Mobile Monkey, use Crowdcast. So that platform, you can certainly go on for, 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 for quite a bit longer than that. For YouTube, I believe you can go on 24 hours. Wow. So you can go on for quite a lengthy time with that. I've heard rumours that the limit for LinkedIn is four hours. Or, or But I haven't tested yeah. that and I haven't been able to absolutely confirm those rumours. So I'd appreciate if anyone could actually con- confirm those uh, rumours. But but you do, do, do have to bear that in mind. In fact, I live streamed that I did last year, um, I had eight hours worth of content. And instead of doing it as eight hours live streaming, I actually partnered with five big MarTech players and did them on five separate days, mm. so about an hour and a half each uh, on, on on their Facebook pages. So then I didn't have to encounter the challenges that you, you can get um, when you stream more than four hours. W- when you stream more than four hours, you can have more technical challenges as well. Your, your computer can start to break down if there's a glitch in the internet internet somewhere that, yeah. that, that you've got, that, that could be a challenge as well. So you're more likely to have technical challenges the, the longer you go. So would you suggest that maybe certainly at the start to kind of do it in, in segments? So to so say to do batches of two hours or batches of four hours, that kind of thing, before you go for the real technical stuff? I, I would say work up to it, yes. You maybe start up with two hours, move over to four hours, and also try and have some kind of backup system yeah. in place as well. If you've got a mobile phone that you can connect to your computer and tether and have that as a just-in-case internet connection, that, that's probably a good Definitely. idea. Definitely. And I can attest to that because I was doing, it was actually a webinar. I was doing a webinar at midnight because the webinar was to uh, people in the in the West Coast of the US. So that's when they were up and where they wanted when they wanted it. And uh, the internet went down halfway through uh, for, for, for 10, 15 minutes. Uh, and yep. there was nothing I could do because unfortunately... I can't even tether here because the, the mobile network is, is not that great. So, But thankfully, we still had quite a few people waiting when they when I came back, which was amazing. But uh, don't rely on that. In most cases, if you if your internet goes down, your live stream goes down, that's it. You know, that's just the way. Yeah. Well, can we just, just ask what, what, what's your backup plan? But I just want to emphasize, I'm not doing this because I'm absolutely mad. Um, you know, part of the reason why I'm doing this is I want to produce content that's differentiated a little bit. You, you can differentiate your content in different ways. Um, if everyone is producing live video, then how is your content different compared with the, yeah. the competition? I mean, it's not just going to be length, it's going to be quality as well, how you put together your content. But um, stop producing same old content and really try to produce something that's um, th- that's completely different and, and challenging to, to anything else that's out there. I love that, yeah. So you're basically saying that this this the Confident Live Marketing Show needs to be eight hours every week? Yes. 
It's not going to happen. So that, that's that's really good. I'm glad you made that point because that was my next question, which is, you know, what's the point? We, we talked about a, a lot of, you know, why, how you can do it and all that kind of stuff. But but yeah, I mean, why, what's the point in doing a, live, a marathon live stream? You've made the point that, yes, it's to differentiate yourself. Are there any other reasons why you think doing a longer a longer live show makes sense? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I touched upon earlier on, you need to challenge yourself. You need to push yourself to do different things. If you differentiate yourself, then you're much more likely to get that increased volume of people viewing your content, interacting with your content. You know, I've had hundreds and hundreds of people, if not thousands of people actually, watch live streamed events that I've done. And that's not because I've you know, you've just gone live and, and, and thought, okay, what can I do? Or um, just put myself out there. I've really thought about it beforehand. Uh, and I've, I've created those events. I've marketed those events. I've, I've tried to drive people to watch live there. So if you can get a significant number of people watching live, then you can obviously do something with that audience, perhaps they can watch future content that you publish, but you can also drive people towards some kind of call to action, perhaps even sell something at the end of it as well. Mm. There has to be an overarching strategy. There has to be a, a reason uh, as to why you're producing, producing these content and, and, and what you would ideally like these, yeah. these these viewers to do at the end of it. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it does give you a much greater chance to get a higher volume of people watching talking about the show, sharing the show as well, and um, signing up to whatever call to action you, you would like them to take. I totally agree. And I think that's something that I've noticed when, when you have done your big live streams that, you know, you're sharing it out. And of course, because you've got lots of guests on, multiple guests all the way through. And because it's something new and exciting, it's like a, it's like a four, eight hour broadcast, they're going to be sharing it out. They're less likely yeah. to share a show like this. I mean, you, you know, this this is still obviously an amazing show, but it's, it's, yeah. not, it's not like this is like an eight-hour show and, and something that's very, very different. And so I, I think you've been very uh, strategic. You've been also thinking really carefully about how you produce the show and how you market the show. And, and so... That brings me on to my next question, which is, let's, I mean, let's focus on the guests, I think, because how many guests do you tend to have on these shows? And how do you manage all of those guests? Because it's, it's sometimes yeah. it's difficult enough to manage yourself. <laughs> well, I've had over 100 guests on these shows, which is absolutely crazy. So you break down the time, that's allocating about three minutes per guest. And if you're going to do that, you, you have to absolutely use software and systems just to ensure that the right person comes on at the right time. So I've used a couple of different booking systems. I've used um, a system called Schedule Once, and I've also used Acuity Scheduling as well. So both of those tools are really excellent at uh, being able to provide the guests with that booking slot. And then as soon as they make that booking, they can select the time that's right for their, their, their time zone. And then, of course, they're opted in to, to get the full instructions, email instructions, and also joining link when you go live. So you don't have to do too much apart from that. But when it's three-minute slots each, I tend to give guests a 10-minute slot to select, and I'm allowing three guests to join that 10-minute slot. So some guests will be slightly earlier or slightly late, and then I can put certain guests you know, ahead or, or behind the other guests that, that actually join. You just have to use systems to make it as easy as possible to ensure that your, your guest is comfortable with what they're doing. And, and one of those things that you can do to ensure that the guest um, is as comfortable as possible with how to join 
is give them just one link to join. And I've found in the past Google Hangouts was really good to get guests to join because they, you could have about 10 guests join you on the Hangouts and they just needed the link. Most people had a Google account. They could just log in and you only had perhaps one to three percent of guests experiencing any kind of uh, technical challenge with that at all. Obviously, public Google Hangouts on air is going away, but um, Google still have hangout software or similar software that you can use to get people to join you and i actually use vmix to bring in a screen capture of um that that hangout and and the computer audio into vmix um, and then rebroadcast that out to facebook or linkedin um, whatever platform I'm, I'm using to broadcast live so so that google hangouts on air going away is not it's not necessarily going to be an issue for me but i am looking into and testing Streamyard. i think that's a a great sponsor you've got there you know really love the software so i, I may use Streamyard. I'll, I'll do some more testing with that but i may use uh, Streamyard for the the live stream that i'm doing on december the 10th yeah that's good and i think it depends on on your setup you know if you're like david and you are happy to, to you've got a big beefy pc and you love the tech and you want to do all these really really complicated and powerful things then a tool like vmix makes perfect sense uh, it's only for pc or if you could use something like wirecast which is for mac and pc or uh, you could use Ecamm, although with Ecamm, you've got the, you have to begin guests using Skype, which I think would be pretty difficult to do this. So I think like StreamYard, I think is, is going to be a really good tool because it works very similar, would you say, to the likes of Google Hangouts. So you can bring in guests yes. very easily. And to a certain degree, mm. you could say that Hangouts hardly got any updates in the last five years or so. And that's a real shame because it was a wonderful, wonderful platform and Google don't appear to have given it any love. You could say that um, uh, about a few tools that yes. Google happens to have owned over the years. But StreamYard appears to be the next iteration. You can very easily share your screen. You can have multiple guests on at the same time and you can control what the viewer sees um, which guests to focus in on, which screens to, to focus in on. So you've got slightly more control than Google Hangouts. So perhaps it's a good thing um, that, that, that Hangouts is, is, is going away because the software isn't getting the love and attention mm. that it probably should have got. Yeah, which is a shame. So yeah, there are loads of tools out there. I mean, I, I think StreamYard is great. There's obviously there's BeLive. I suppose you could use Zoom. You could use a Crowdcast. But you think you need to find the solution that's going to work best for you. And, and obviously that will depend on quite a few different factors. So I want to bring in our next sponsor, which is the wonderful Content 10X. And I'm, I'm really excited about Content 10X being on the show as the sponsor because uh, I just love what they do. And I've just got the book, finally, but Amy's Content 10X book through the door. The Amazon delivery man came and I'm really excited about this because they are experts in content repurposing. They will take your live stream video. Once you've pressed the end broadcast button, they will then take that piece of content, repurpose it to explode across the internet, saving you time and helping you focus on building your business. So I I mean, I totally see the power in other formats or like podcasting and blog posts. So they're great. But the thing about live video is obviously you do a bit of planning, you press that start broadcast button and you, and you in about half an hour to an hour or even shorter than that, you produced a piece of content 
that you can then turn into all these other pieces of content. And that's what I do on this live show. This live show becomes a podcast, it becomes a blog post, it becomes lots of social media images. And that's what Content 10X does. So if you want to find out more about what Content 10X does, if you want to know more about content repurposing, definitely check the episode when Amy was on the show and buy her book. But they've also got an amazing blog and podcast. If you just go to Content 10x.com, content10x.com, and you can find great advice on all things repurposing. You're listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. So, David, it's now time to talk more about this, how we set up this live stream marathon. In terms of Starting off, we've talked about the kind of tech and the tools that people would use. And probably for people starting off, using the likes of vMix is probably not where the, the place to start. So something like StreamYard. Yeah. Are, are there any, you know, what would be the top considerations from a tech point of view and also a production point of view that people should have in mind when they're first starting off with this? Okay, sure. First of all, you know, another wonderful sponsor there. So uh, Amy's Content 10X is just a, a great service. And I know Amy as well. So I certainly recommend your your viewers, your listeners to, to check out that. But in, in terms of tech or hardware to begin with, don't buy really expensive equipment to begin with. You know, I've invested a bit in equipment over the last few years. But to start with, start off with a Samsung QTU microphone. Uh, use a wind shield on top of that, use a boom arm desk stand, use a Logitech C920 microphone, uh, and use a couple of LED lights. So you're probably talking about a budget of a maximum of £200, and that's a a fairly professional sounding and looking setup. Uh, And then you can use something like StreamYard to go live uh, after that. So I think that's a great setup to begin with. Uh, In terms of investing more and and moving on after that. So just a little bit about the gear that I'm actually using. So I'm using an Electrovoice RE20 microphone. So that's a a microphone that's really popular in America. That's got in lots of radio stations there as well. Now, it's a dynamic microphone that that needs um, a, a decent boost. So I put it into uh, an art voice channel. So that's a channel strip uh, with what's called a a preamp and EQ in there as well. Um, So it can amplify the volume that I'm putting into the microphone there as well. Uh, It's also got a few things like a compressor, uh, a de-esser, an expander and gain. So just quickly, what is all that? Uh, So a compressor uh, will take your voice or whatever channel you're putting into it and um, it'll lower the peaks slightly uh, which means that the overall volume can be brought up without clipping at all so it's a little bit technical but essentially means that your your volume uh, of of your voice can be a little bit louder and also means when you speak softly that um, you can still hear me very clearly uh, because the volume when I'm speaking softly, will be brought up naturally through that bit of um, hardware there as well. De-esser. So sometimes when speak, uh, people speak through microphones, you hear a lot of sibilance. And again, you can use hardware or software. I'm using hardware to take that out just slightly. On a related note, you also get plosives as well, which is a burst of air into the microphone. And that can be a little bit unpleasant for people listening to the audio there as well. And that's what this pop filter is for on the the microphone as well. And an expander and gate, they do similar kind of things. Essentially what that's about is if you want silence between 
the words that you're saying, then use that to actually drastically reduce any background noise or take out any background noise. Obviously, you want to start with fairly ideal studio type environments where you're not having too much background noise. But if you have a little hum of a computer behind you, then it's quite useful to use that just to to take that out completely when you're not speaking at all. Now, to record the audio, go into an external digital audio recorder. I use a Zoom H5. You can also use a Zoom H6, which is a slightly bigger version of that um, there as well. I feel like I'm spe- speaking a lot here, Ian. <laughs> do, do, do you want to uh, add anything here or should I keep on that's all. Stuff? I mean, that's all cool stuff. So, I mean, f- first of all, just to say, like if you're just starting off with Livestream, absolutely do not do any of this. We're talking about, this is, we're talking about the next level, aren't we? So yeah, uh, you gave exactly. some great recommendations for just getting started off with a microphone, like the Samsung QTU you mentioned and the Logitech yes. uh, C920. It, it, the, mm. the key thing about the Samsung QTU it's a dynamic microphone, mm. um, which means that I mean the key, the two main microphones you can choose are either a dynamic or a condenser type microphone, and um, a condenser will be a lot more um, able to pick up noise from all over the room. You can put a condenser two feet in front of you, and you get an okay recording from that, and that's that's okay for webinars and stuff but it's going to pick up lots of noise from all over the room so ideally you want to get comfortable with using a dynamic microphone but it's got a small sweet spot so you you want to be speaking about four inches away from that uh, to to, to get the ideal recording levels from that but the great thing about it is it's, it's not going to pick up loads of noise from the rest of the room. So I started off using the, uh, what's it called, the Blue Yeti microphone, which a lot of people start off yeah. with. And I, I actually think it is a good microphone, but the, the, the issue is that most people put it too far away. They put the gain up and of course it picks up the entire house, which is not what you want. Whereas yeah. with the, the Samsung QTU, it's, you have to have it kind of fairly close to you and it works really well. So I, I think that's all, it's all great advice. And there's, I think when you want to take things to the next level, getting some kind of digital interface. And I can't remember the name of the, what's the, the box that you use to, that cleans up all the sound? So I, I use a, an art voice channel. That, that's what I plug my microphone into. Uh, that does quite, quite a few different things, but it's a piece of hardware. It's, some people use software post-production for that. I think if you're live streaming, as we're talking about, we want to do, then you want to make sure that your sound yeah. is as good quality as possible as you're producing it. So it's good to get a bit of hard work Definitely. to do that. I agree. And something I want to play around with, because it is difficult to get software to do it when you're live streaming, because a lot of these tools are kind of post-production, you do them afterwards. But I don't know if you've come across this, some software called crisp.ai with a K, K-R-I-S-P.ai. And it actually does a bit of kind of noise cancellation and a bit of audio and bringing your guest in but it seems at the moment a bit challenging to use that with live streaming i'm going to play around with it but uh, hopefully over time it will become a little bit easier to do all this stuff and and there's always in the in the world of live video there's always new tools and and things coming out it can be uh, quite difficult to keep up with it all yeah i, I think pl- platforms or tools that you use to live stream with now such as Streamyard, now tend to have those kind of tools built into it as well so they'll improve the audio quality they'll the they'll look to compress it a little bit and take take out background noise. So I think it's, it's becoming less and less of a concern. But I guess you also have to know what those tools are trying to do on your behalf mm. just to ensure that you don't try to do the same thing and uh, you end up making it worse quality. Definitely. Check that out. Yeah, I know that I know that StreamYard has has some kind of noise cancellation going on. There's a there's a box you can check or uncheck for that. So you 
you've done your marathon live stream, okay, it's it's gone well. There's maybe been a few little disasters in it, but you know, on the whole, it's gone gone really well. What's what's the next thing? You know, what we should should be you be focusing on when you when you press the end broadcast button? Obviously, you're probably just going to want to go to bed, but at the end of that, what's next? And I know that you have thought about that a lot. You have to have a plan. You have to have a reason why you're doing it. There's no point in doing that and attracting thousands of people to watch and not to have any kind of call to action or additional offering. It could be part of your B2B more or even B2C marketing, but ideally it should be integrated into your content marketing mix. So then it begs the question, okay, where does it fit in and what are people likely to want to do after that, um, hopefully you can continue to do them as some kind of series, maybe even just on a on an annual basis. I've obviously taken the content of the last mega live stream that I've done. I'm in the process of publishing it as a book. Now, the, the challenge with that, as uh, Mr. IAG holds it up over the screen, not very good for audio listeners, but uh, <laughs> the challenge with trying to write a book from your live stream is that if you typically transcribe a live stream, uh, pe- pe- people talk quite differently as compared with actually writing an article. So I found that you know, although I had some great transcripts, I had to rewrite a lot of the tips that were shared by all the top marketers that came on that show. And that probably took me just as much time as it would actually writing a 60,000 word book. So it's not necessarily a shortcut, but of course, you can get, if you're not going to publish a book, you can transcribe all the content and um, use that to create captions. Um, that's a wonderful thing to do when you're publishing the content on, on LinkedIn, Facebook, or YouTube as well, Twitter, uh, to, to, to add that user experience and probably get more people watching the videos and, and use Amy's service to uh, 10x your content afterwards. Um, it, it's an incredible way to, to produce content. But, but just make sure that you, you are very comfortable with where that content fits into your mix and then have that call to action. At the end of it, I've made sure that people have subs- subscribed, that they are we're aware that, that there's a book coming at the end of it. And um, hopefully people are ready for the launch and to, to buy the book afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. You need to have a plan. Don't just do it for the sake of it, uh, just for the idea of it. Once you press that end, end broadcast button, if I can speak, that end broadcast button, you then need to think about what is the next stage and uh, you've got this audience that have watched it you've got all these guests that have been on you know don't just leave that there and i i think yeah have you, have you got any live uh, mega live streams coming up soon planned that uh, people can check out i mean it, the best thing is probably to follow you yeah i'm actually going to be doing a, a mega live stream to launch the book itself so i've got an eight hour live stream to to launch the book so i mean you can find out about that i, I guess uh, marketingnowbook.com mm-hmm. and I don't know precisely at this stage where I'm going to be broadcasting that, but I am going to be having about 30 incredible marketers and including your good self, Ian, um, join me f- for that. Um, but that should be really interesting because it's going to be a bit of a different format. So I'm, I'm going to take each of the sections of the book. So there's three sections, 12 chapters in the book. And so I'm going to be having the first hour to focus in on chatting about the contents, you know, the guests' perception of the content, perhaps any tips that they would add uh, to the advice shared in the book. And then for the next hour and a quarter after that, I'm going to have a mini workshop where uh, more guests come in and they take viewers' domains and businesses and review, okay, how do you practically 
uh, use the, the the advice, the information that's shared in the in the book? Uh, how do you really turn it into something that will really make a big difference in your business? So so that'll be a workshop section, and then I'll go back into okay part two of the book, and then I'll have some more guests coming in. So it it'll be an interesting way of doing it. You know, it, it's partly to obviously launch the book and market the book and make people aware of that. But it's it's also to create ancillary content to the book. So at the end of each section of the book, I say, now, after reading this section, make sure you register on the website to watch the workshop videos if you haven't done so already. So go to the website, marketingnowbook.com. So that call to action is within the book. And that gives me a great way of driving opt-ins from people who have read the book. So if someone discovers the book from Amazon, then hopefully I'll still get people that come back to me, opt into my email updates and uh, and find out about my, my ecosystem from there. That's awesome. Well, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be another fun, fun time. I'm sure you'll have sorted out all the tech and where you're going to be live streaming. Obviously, you know, we need to continually to do research and, and things have changed. I know you said Facebook isn't working quite so well. So maybe, maybe LinkedIn Live, maybe somewhere else. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. So so what was the, the URL for that again? It's marketingnowbook.com. Great. So check that out, marketingnowbook.com. It's where you need to go. But we're at the end of the show. It's been great to have you on, David. I really, really loved all your all your advice, all your tips and, and tactics and all that kind of stuff. And really thinking deeply about not just the production of the show, but the, the whole uh, before the planning and also what you need to do afterwards. It's been really, really helpful. So uh, you've mentioned uh, the marketingnowbook.com website. Where's the best p- place for people to go to find out more about you and to to uh, to follow you online, to stalk you in a, in a nice way, of course, online? <laughs> well, that, that's um, the the main website that I'm focusing on at the moment. I'm I'm pleased that I've managed to finally uh, register the domain name davidbain.com, and now I've got that forwarding to marketingnowbook.com. It will become a website mm. by itself. I also uh, have slash David Bain on LinkedIn and at David Bain on Twitter. So those are the two main social channels that I do. Um, so in terms of broadcasting live, focusing primarily on LinkedIn, if you want to check that out, then please follow me on LinkedIn. Definitely do that. Yeah, and there's still not that many people that have LinkedIn live. So it's great. Definitely follow David on LinkedIn if you want to see how to use LinkedIn Live and how it's how it's being used. Uh, so thank you so much, David. It's been great to have you on the show. I've been really excited to have you on. So I encourage you to level up your impact, authority and profits using live video. See you soon, everyone. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Confident Live Marketing Podcast with Ian Anderson Gray. Be sure to join the community at iag.me where you can continue to level up your impact, authority and profits through the power of live video. And until next time, toodaloo.
Baby. Baby. Baby.